Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Kevin L. Jackson here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, Scott Luton. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. It's good to see you on Saturday. But you know, yeah. you and I are really jealous because our dear friend Kevin L. Jackson was down in New Orleans <laughs> over the weekend. Kevin, yeah. as usual, he can't give us his my, precise who location. Who that on my live stream? Who that on my live stream? <laughs> Come on, man. The Saints the Saints broke the Falcons' hearts uh, last week or so, didn't they, Greg? Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. from Atlanta. Hmm. Yeah, and if, uh, if not for a few, let's say, helpful penalties, they probably would have beat the Bucks this weekend as well. That's so, right. But some of, sometimes when Tom Brady's on the field, there are some helpful penalties – that occur on the other team. Helpful <laughs> penalty. Well, still. Well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm, uh, <laughs> we're looking up. The commanders! And I'm, I'm still trying to, I'm trying to get that in. I mean, it's just not like the Redskins, uh, you know, but. It's not, but I, it's kind of growing on me. I got to tell you, I hated it at first. I thought it was really dumb, <laughs> but it's kind of growing on me. I think I'm, I think I'm going to be able to live with it over time. It might, Good. you know, you as a, Die-hard fan, Kevin. It'll probably take you years to, you know, to adapt to it. So I just can't even imagine if they change the Chiefs' name. What I would think, right? Right. So I, I total. I've thought of it that way, so I totally get it. Well, so Greg and Kevin, of course, for folks that may not know, are talking about the new uh, mascot and the team name for the Washington football team. It's the Washington Commanders. So it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue just yet. But we'll see. Once they get back in the Super Bowl, maybe it will roll off everyone's tongues. Uh, if they take command of a game, I think it will be much more natural. <laughs> much more natural. Well, hey, uh, we're all thankful football is back. But today, we're not talking as much about football. We're talking about oh, the supply it. chain buzz, right? Mm. It's the Digital Transformers edition. And today, we're going to yes, be... Sir. <laughs> We're going to be a little passion here, a little excitement. We're going to be sharing some of the leading stories across global business. And we've got a special guest joining us about 1225 p.m. Eastern time. And that would be Florian Seabauer with SAP. Uh, so, uh, and also beyond Florian and Kevin and Greg's perspective here today. Hey, folks, get ready because we want to hear from you. So be dropping yeah. your perspective uh, throughout the hour in the uh, cheap seats there, the comments. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. So, Greg and Kevin, are y'all ready? We're going to say hello to a few folks, and we're going to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. Yes, sir. Happy Monday. Let's do this. That's right. Uh, Catherine, good. first off, big thanks to Catherine, Chantel, and Amanda, the whole production team helping to make uh, today's show happen. Good morning, she says. Happy Buzz Day to everybody. Thank you for that, uh, Catherine. Hope you had a great weekend. Hey, Joey. Vikings, he says. Let's go. Um, <laughs> and Joey, did. I didn't get a chance to connect with your team up in Chicago at IMTS. We'll try to make that happen next time. Greg and Kevin, there was only about, uh, I don't know, 37 million people at uh, at the trade show last week. So, Joey, hopefully you and your team had a good uh, a good successful event. Glormar, great to see you this morning via LinkedIn. Uh, Paul, good morning from Sierra Leone. Greg and Kevin. Wow. Greg, you ever been to Close Sierra to Leone? That's great. I haven't, um, but... I know where it is. That's so let's start there. <laughs> Kevin, ever been to Sierra? No, no, but uh, it's on my list. It's on your list. I got uh, a long bucket list. I'm going to add it to mine then. Uh, Arnav, Arnav, great to see you from, from India via LinkedIn. So glad to have oh, you I've here been today. There. Have you? <laughs> yes, a couple of times, actually. And finally, uh, I'm going I'm to go with Rainy, maybe. Uh, Renee, maybe it's Renee, uh, but regardless, uh, hello to you from Las Vegas via LinkedIn. Well, Great to see you here. 
I'll be in Vegas in two weeks. I'm going to Mobile World Congress. It's okay. in uh, Vegas at the um, uh, at the Vegas Convention Center. I'm right. staying. Uh, I'm staying at the Resort World. I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be a party. Nice and. NWC. Uh, Greg, (laughs) Greg, one quick question for you before we dive into the first, uh, you know, we're just talking Vegas. Kevin's going to be out there again in a couple weeks. Where's your favorite place to stay in Vegas, Greg? Uh, uh, This is so embarrassing. Is it Bellagio? The one with the big fountains? Bellagio. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. The hotel, uh, the casino, and of course they've got a big theater there. It's right in the middle of the strip. So you're kind of in the middle of everything, but Scott, do you pay for that privilege? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, one of the uh, the win is another one that uh, amazingly nice. has really reasonable rates and is super posh. Okay. So, but nice. I haven't stayed there before, so I dare not rate that. Right, but uh, I've always wanted to try the win. Well, we need to make a trip back. It's been a little while since we uh, joined our friend Tony out there a couple of years back. I don't know if um, I can endure a contact high for that many days. <laughs> so, well, Kevin, um, we expect yeah, a lot. I, mean, I, I think so many It's funny how universal, and I wonder what our audience thinks here, but how universal it is. <laughs> everyone is like, three days, three days is all I can do in Vegas, mm. right? Um where you be dri- you drive around and you the, the whip comes in, t- <laughs> and just it comes walking in down the street, Kevin. You know? Yeah, <laughs> just walking. So, yeah. Kevin, we expect to get a full report here in a week or two as you're at uh, NWC. We'd, yeah, we'd like to know what percentage THC you feel like you walk through <laughs> on the street. All right. Well. Hey, well, anything uh, that uh, happens uh, at the supply chain survey on THC. That's right. Composition. That's yeah. right. <laughs> hey, and to all of our friends out in Vegas, of course, we're all just uh, having a little bit of fun. We all enjoy Vegas and all that it has to offer. It plays a big role uh, in, in in global business, right? So many trade shows and conversations that it fuels there. Um, oh, you can okay. insult Vegas. They're not going to shut you out. <laughs> I mean, but I, I should say hello. I doubt he's tuned in. But uh, a, a college buddy of mine, uh, Gordon, uh, Gordon moved out to Vegas uh, not too long ago and, and got a variety of certifications. He's in the uh, the uh, tourism industry, and he loves it. So, Gordon, if you're listening, hope you're well and uh, living life, living large in Vegas. Okay. So, folks, wait a second. Wait a second. Gail's with us today. One of our faves here. Hey. Gail, who, oh, that's right. Gail was in Vegas last week and she says, Four days. (laughs) Right. I survived four days. Great to be with you guys, Gail says. Well, Gail, appreciate what you shared. And I love, I loved Kevin and Greg. Uh, Gail kind of commented on a lot of different conversations and people she was with and really celebrated, you know, being back in person. And that was a great, uh, post on LinkedIn. Amanda and Catherine, I don't know if y'all can find that, but that'd be, that'd be wonderful to share. So, Gail, great to have you. And looking forward to your perspective. Okay, so we got to dive in. We got three things we want to talk through before our dear friend Florian joins us about twelve twenty-five p.m. Eastern time. Uh, I want to start with this one quick update, Greg and Kevin. Mm. You know, so, Greg, last week uh, on the Buzz and a few other shows, we were talking about the rail strike, and then we got some good news that after about twenty hours of of last minute negotiation, is there really any other kind? Uh, they came to a. <laughs> they came to a um, a tentative deal, uh, and then really the the, uh, the global or really the the U.S. supply chain community certainly celebrated. Certainly, North America supply chain community. However, here's a kicker: uh, Thursday, this Thursday, right? That would be the twenty second. Is that right? Um, all twelve labor unions and its members have to vote on that tentative deal. And all of them have to agree. Uh, otherwise, if they don't, if just one union doesn't agree, then we're back in where a strike is imminent. Uh, and of I'm course, they're voting on Thursday. That gives them that twenty, you know, twenty hours before Friday, so they can have another session. <laughs> right. <laughs> Renegotiate before the weekend. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. So, folks, uh, look for. I, I doubt we're going to get an early vote. So, look for the news coming out Thursday. If all twelve unions uh, give it a thumbs up or the thumbs down. Um, okay. So, Greg and Kevin, we got so much good stuff to get through here today. 
Uh, Kevin, we've got a couple different articles. I want to start with you um, here. I want to uh, start by diving into what is really our second story in this piece from Pumps and Systems. It speaks to how uh, supply chain digital transformation is exposing a wide variety of vulnerabilities. So, Kevin, tell us more. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, manufacturing always has sort of uh, two sides of the house. It has operational technology and it has information technology. Mm. And information technology has kind of been on, you know, the the back seat for, for a long time. But digital transformation is really bringing these two OT and IT to parity. Um, and this is really important when you're looking at industrial systems like pumps and turbines, regulating valves and, and tanks, because these things are now vulnerable to cyber attacks mm. in both at the plant itself, but more importantly for this audience, in their supply chains. All right. The end users are, are connecting these operational devices. They're, they're exposed to these threats because of the industrial Internet of Things, IIoT. These uh, technologies are integrated into existing software and the industrial control systems and SCADA, the so supervisory systems. So supply chain attacks where the company's data is compromised mm. via the hacking of a third-party supplier that has legitimate access to the customer's systems. This, In this way, the hackers can really insert malicious code into trusted hardware or software at the source, which compromises the data of its users and the users in the onward uh, chain. Mm. So uh, it's it's like the solar winds hack of a couple of years ago, right. which was an attack on the the uh, software supply chain. So think about it. Be on the lookout, Bolo. Hey, Greg, I want to get you to weigh in, but really quick. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories, not because of what happened, but uh, I think I think a lot of folks can relate to it. If you remember. Um, uh, Jack Allen and Cisco, right? Uh, Jack shared the story, which which they they built into a, a campaign where uh, this one manufacturer, not at Cisco, but one of them, this manufacturers, they had a bunch of uh, team members that were in a bowling league, and hackers, as they kind of surveilled that activity via social media, they found out, you know, they they put you know two and two together, and then they hacked the bowling alley's website, which gave certain information to the employees' profiles and whatnot, and and ultimately were able to shut down a production line of that manufacturing uh, facility, kind of along the lines of what Kevin's sharing. Uh, but Greg, wow. your, yeah, um, your take though, Greg, on these vulnerabilities that Kevin's speaking to. Yeah, so I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'd, I'd like to get Kevin, your thoughts on my take here, um, <laughs> because I'm going to project a little bit. And I imagine someone, I, I mean, I'm not even a cybersecurity expert but I have done a lot of business process and digital transformations and, you know, was kind of brought up consultant and operator and worked on the tech side as well. So, you know, the thing that's interesting to me about this, dare I say frustrating, is um, this is a long established problem. And the companies yeah. in this article have to have had their heads in the sand and many more companies do because you know, that these are not new issues. Think about even Target and their breach of their person who swept their parking lots or whatever it was. Um, you know, it's way past time to acknowledge the danger here and provision for it. And in reading this article, there were a couple things that le leapt out at me. And one is it's time to eliminate the silos between the business side of the business and the <laughs> IT side. Uh, because what you know, what they said was, what, without saying it, I believe, is that sometimes the operations people implement systems without the full vetting and analysis and approval of the IT organization, which creates right. a lot of these vulnerabilities. And then the other was 
this principle of point of least privilege, only give people access to the process and the data that is absolutely required for their role in the process. And clearly, uh, you know, one of the one of the discussions in the article was that's not happening. And, you know, that's just foundational. You learn that when you learn how to analyze mm. and build business processes. So uh, and then the final thing that they talked sort of around, but uh, about a bit is there ought to be intrusion alerts. I mean, my, yeah. my home network can tell me when somebody tries to access my, you know, access my network, right? There ought to be performance change alerts and, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, things like that, that could, if not preempt, at least notify of these mm. intrusions. And, and, and if not the intrusion, then the change in the performance of uh, of the equipment and, you know, to yeah. avoid real damage because in the article, and I think folks ought to read this article, obviously, yep. but in the article, they did a demonstration of how someone could, could um, <laughs> access the system remotely and completely destroy the equipment. Mm. Yeah. Sovereign physical attack. Right. So yeah. Kevin, uh, really quick, your quick take on Greg's take. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about cyber hygiene. It's more important than, than ever right now. If you focus on the basics, right? Making sure you have complex passwords and you rotate those passwords and that your IT team gets a say in all of the IT that you do, all right? Because they are your experts. Leverage mm. them. Mm. Excellent. Uh, well, Greg yeah. and... <laughs> cyber hygiene there, cyber there hygiene is, and you know i think that distinction between the business or the operations people and the it we need to stop thinking like that mm. everyone in a business is a business person yeah right some of them their choice of of tool set is operations or business process some of them their choice of tool set or uh, or designated tool set is technology but they're right. all business people all Excellent. business Excellent point. And by the way, I have a hard enough with my kids with normal hygiene, and now we got to worry about cyber hygiene <laughs> with all three kids. Man, ramping no, up the complexity. Um, all right. So, Kevin and Greg, really quick, I want to say hello. Josh Goody, great to have you back as always from Seattle, sunny Seattle, he sunny says this Seattle. time. That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, and Jonathan Kimbrough, great to have you here today via LinkedIn uh, here in Atlanta, one of the best cities to business Atlanta. in. We can verify that, Scott. That's right. right. That's right. It is gorgeous <laughs> at least, here today. At least right this moment. Yeah. Um, I want to move along to this next article. Again, folks, we've got uh, uh, a special guest coming in uh, about 1225, uh, Florian uh, Seabauer with SAP. So stay tuned. Um, but this here, this article here, uh, Kevin, it's almost a flip side of what we were talking about a second ago, right? Because a second ago, we were kind of talking about some of the threats and risks associated technology. But here, from our friends at Thomson Reuters, we're talking about new global supply chains, which are better than new Coke, I promise, uh, <laughs> and how technology can help us break all sorts of barriers uh, while fueling global trade and a whole lot more. So, Kevin, unpack this this, this uh, point of view a little bit for us. So, um, globalization and digital transformation are really affecting us all. And, you know, one of our, our favorite topics over the past uh, two years, in supply chain especially, it's been toilet paper, right? <laughs> and it's because of globalization. We're getting our toilet paper from everywhere around the world. And the need to track that toilet paper to make sure that Amazon can take the drone and drop it there when you need it, right outside the door. <laughs> okay. Right. So if we look back, though, global trade volume has actually tripled over the last 20 years. It's up 272% between 2000 and 2020, valued at over 18 trillion U.S. dollars in, in 2020. So these trade routes barely existed back in 2020, mm. are now some of the biggest trade routes in market to, in the market today. And with this globalization and the links between all the countries, now you have to deal with the law and regulations 
and compliance in all of these countries. So this is yet another element, a very complex element you have to watch in your supply chain. So incorporating technology in your global trade activities could reduce some of the risks that you may see in, this, in, in your supply chain. And, and face it, today, what business isn't a global business? Mm. If you're on the internet, you are global. Mm. Good point. <laughs> so, so, so how can technology help you, okay? You may need to trace, leverage technology to trace and track your products, not just your physical products, but your virtual products as well. Uh, you may want to measure the viability of a particular global trade route or global trade partner, right. leveraging research and comparisons. The internet can help you. Technology can help you with that. You can monitor your business partners and their performance, not just with you, but with others, leveraging technology and, and automation. Uh, and you can, you are operating. So uh, Greg and I talked talk about this before. We're no longer in a supply chain. We're in a supply web, mm -hmm. right? You're in an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So you need to really streamline operations between all the other companies that exist in your ecosystem. Technology can really help there. So digital transformation, baby. <laughs> all right. So Greg, your couple quick, quick response here, your quick take. Yeah, I think I think probably the key here to me, I mean, this this previous article really points this out, is that securing that network virtually is is equally as important as the as the physical security that one would naturally employ in a in a global supply ecosystem, right? And and I think you can't think of it separately, right? You wouldn't think of not having armed guards in certain countries where or not having um, trailers behind fences in certain cities, even in probably most cities, frankly, in the U.S. Um, you know, you wouldn't think of not having locks on trailers, right, and containers and things like that. You have to think of your your digital systems, your digital and cybersecurity systems, as those locks and and fences, right, and security. So. Mm. Um, I, I think that's it's critical for us to. Uh, I think T squared talked about this. It's critical for us to recognize that siloization, I think, is what he called it. Silo uh, has really siloization. There you go. <laughs> siloization um, has really put the supply chain business in general in jeopardy. And to to Kevin, to your point, everyone is virtually global. I mean, there are cities where your internet signal is blocked. You're not projecting to everywhere in the world, but but you are still exposed to it. Right. Yeah. Right. Even if you're blocked from from posting in China, let me assure you, there are people in China who are interested <laughs> in what you're doing. That's right. <laughs> hey, we're about to bring in our special guest. I, I want to just uh, share a couple quick comments. This graphic, by the way, Greg and Kevin, is that we must have notes. Well, we must have gotten it from 3M because clearly they are communicating that post-it notes make the whole world go round, right? But y'all check yes. out that read. Um, Nazreen, great to have you back with us. Greetings from Iran uh, via LinkedIn. So nice to see you. Uh, Josh says, hey, there was a, also a hack at Rockstar, Rockstar, the video game developer. Josh says, uh, just goes to show that everyone needs to update and innovate when it comes to protection. Excellent point right. there. Josh. That is inherently built into their products. That's Security right. Security is, right? So uh, even with a, an intention, it can still be vulnerable. Yes. Uh, Greg, you referenced T-squared uh, point earlier. Uh, and by the way, T-squared holds down the fort for us at YouTube. Uh, T-squared says, that cybersecurity story, more than sobers, and truly underscores the dangers of siloization. So yes, Greg, we're coining a new word there. And then finally from Joey, siloization. Yeah, that's cool, yeah. right? I like we're gonna steal that, Tyrone. Sorry, man. <laughs> Just warning you. I, yeah, I, did, I didn't see a registered trademark behind yeah. it, so let's go. <laughs> so Joey K says, 
I think the challenges often come from the gap in communication between the business, IT, and leadership. Not only that, challenges exist with teams lacking trust in their colleagues who are the experts within their craft. Love the hygiene comparison. So yeah. true. Thank you. Thank you there, Joey. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to leave that story there. Y'all can check it out. We've dropped a link to it in the comments. Thank you, Greg and Kevin, for walking us through your thoughts on both of those first two stories here today. But we've got a lot more to get to, right? Mm -hmm. So y'all stick tuned. We're about to dive in deeper. Wait, wait, to there's more. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, we're going to be diving into the automotive industry quite a bit here today. But I want to, before we get there, I want to welcome in our special guest, Florian Seabauer, Senior Director, SAP Business Network and Direct Spin Solutions. Hey, Florian, how are we doing today? Hey, guys. Doing good. How are you? Doing wonderful. It's so nice to see great. you. Yeah, it's uh, really, really good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And I love that, Florian, I love that color blue. Uh, that is a, a gorgeous color blue. But hey, um, as gorgeous as that color that blue is on you here today is the site of a really tasty cheeseburger. So, folks, stick with me here. Uh, before we dive into, <laughs> you had me a cheeseburger. <laughs> it's lunchtime here. It is uh, dinner time where Florian is though. But hey, before we dive I'm into, <laughs> before we dive into the the, the work at hand, I want to start with just a fun question to our panel here because yesterday was National Cheeseburger Day. I don't know how I missed that yesterday, yeah, but right. Uh, Florian, I bet the world celebrates, uh, you know, it's one of those global cuisines, uh, certainly known well here in the, in the States, but Florian, what is one of your go-to places to get a really good cheeseburger? You know, I, I, I spent over 10 years in California and I, I started loving in and out but uh, oh. I don't think you find it anywhere, anywhere over Europe, right? So I, I, I moved towards Five Guys, which started, I guess, maybe three or four years ago. So that's now my new place. And I missed, I missed the celebration day, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have gone for that. You know, so did I. I feel like, I feel like it ought to be marketed better, Florian. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Right? All right. So Florian dropped, uh, I mean, man, uh, uh, quite a double deuce there between yeah, in and out and five guys, right, Greg and Kevin? Greg, yeah. what's one of your favorite go-tos? Man, I, I love hamburgers so much. It really depends on the mood that I'm in. But uh, one of my favorite lately, because we're on the island, is um, the Earl of Sandwich makes a burger that is about that <laughs> oh. thick. And it's a dive bar. It's the oldest continuous running bar on Hilton Head. And their burger is gigantic. But, man, it is a fantastic hamburger. And there are even a lot of great burgers on the island everywhere of course and i'm of course with florian if you're going to buy a chain hamburger it ought to be an in and out <laughs> well greg does it come with the theme song you know duke of earl duke 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 of earl when you know playing in the background whenever you're dying in hey don't y'all don't make me sing that again please uh kevin please don't <laughs> kevin uh you're the final you're a cleanup here today where do you go for a great burger cheeseburger well, you know, Florence stole it from me. I, I you know, it's it's Five Guys. Uh, yeah, well, of course, where you're from, hands, that's where they started. You know, it's, yeah. it's Five Guys, and it's not just the burgers; it's the fries too. I mean, jeez, it's the fries that, that 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 make it make make it all. All right, so I gotta go with that, and it's. It's just so messy. Mm. <laughs> even that's, even a small fry at Five Guys is enough for two people, at least two yes. people. Right? Yeah. It's so worth it, though. It's so yeah. worth it. Yeah. All right. yeah. Greg, Kevin, and Florian, thank you for making everybody hungry. By the way, Gail says, in and out rules. Thanks, Florian. Uh, see Bauer. Glormar <laughs> says, uh, my daughter says, Glormar says, that I make better burgers than in and out and I will take that oh, as a huge wow. success. Agreed. We'll have to go check we'll that take, out. What's we'll take address? three to go. <laughs> hey, four. Four to go. Uh, yeah, right. Amanda says, uh, me and my favorite birthday boy, Bennett, love a good old Whopper. Uh, That's that is good. A little different, but good, Amanda. Double Whopper. You know, I've, I tried that Impossible Whopper, too. That's, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not, not in bad. the top, but it's not bad. <laughs> and finally, Josh giving us a little 
uh, Yakima uh, in- Market Intel, Miners Burgers in Yakima, okay. Washington. Thank you for that, Josh. And Any by the way, you make for miners had better be good, right? So it's, <laughs> it's got to be pretty tasty. And Sammy, greetings uh, to you as well. Uh, Sammy's tuned in from Nairobi, Kenya uh, via LinkedIn. Okay, y'all keep telling us, keep sharing where you get your favorite burgers from. Keep commenting on uh, the supply chain focus conversation we have. We got a uh, we got the next half hour or so with Florian, and uh, looking forward to diving into. So we better get to business. We better uh, get to work, uh, folks. Um, Florian, where we want to start is we're going to be talking, as I mentioned, quite a uh, quite a bit about the automotive industry here today, and we'll start with this interesting read from our friends at Automotive Logistics. What's old is new again, as many automakers are leveraging vertical integration more and more for several reasons to include risk management. So Mm -hmm. Florian, please tell us more. Yeah, the the article starts right with the new normal of supply chain disruptions caused by the pandemic, war, sanctions, weather pattern, right, shortages in material and components. And supply chain um, experts right at the auto manufacturers go back again to the vertical integration to ensure that the supply is coming timely right to the to the factories and the article talks about uh, three examples of backward vertical integration right one of them is uh, the example of you know securing raw materials, specifically here, the cobalt and the nickel, right, for the so important battery supplies, right, because everything, of course, everyone is moving towards um, electronic, uh, electric uh, vehicles, right, and therefore, of course, those raw materials are extremely critical. Another example which the article uh, talks about are the um, important uh, semiconductors, right? We, We saw all over you know, huge delays. And interestingly, I, I just got my my new company car, right? Uh, last Friday, I picked it up. Now, guess how long I was waiting for that car? <laughs> um, Nine months. Yeah. 16 months. Whoa. Now, wow. Look, 16. That, that, that is something. Right now, you know, in Germany, people are a little bit special because you, you, you customize your car, right? It's not something you buy just from, you know, from the shelf. And I would say three months, six months were normal before, but 16 is unheard of, right? And of course, you know, shortages in semiconductors, right? That is a big issue there. So it's real. And and that is exactly, you know, why more and more OEMs directly engage now down in the supply chain with mm-hmm. their uh, semiconductor manufacturers, right? And really planning already ahead for the next, um, you know, release of semiconductors to have that new advanced capabilities. And last but not least, right, <clears throat> the article talks about the, the the automakers, which, you know, getting engaged in the actually manufacturing of the batteries, right? There are examples of Volvo trucks, of Stellantis, of Volkswagen, right, to really, you know, get now really deeply involved in in producing those those batteries, which are so essential for the new way of driving, right? And interestingly here, right, a lot of opportunities. On the other hand, of course, also a lot of challenges, right, considering now that additional, you know, complexity for the OEMs to deal with that large number of suppliers, right. running all those sourcing activities, managing the overall project management, right, to ensuring that, you know, all of that is nicely orchestrated, right? Also, you know, a need for increased uh, supply chain visibility here, really to orchestrate all of those activities, right? Orchestration, right. one of our favorite things to talk about here, uh, Florian. Um Greg, I want to get you to comment first on on both uh, the article, and here's the article, we'll share that again, uh, that Florian was kind of uh, speaking to from our friends at Automotive Logistics. Your thought when it comes to uh, the automotive industry revisiting vertical integration? Yeah, I mean, this is not an uncommon sort of swing of the pendulum, especially when you've lost control of your supply chain in the way that so many um, manufacturers, not just auto manufacturers, but particularly auto manufacturers have. And when you have such a far-flung supply chain, the risk of far-flung and um, third, fourth, and fifth parties, you know, um, in your supply chain is very risky, as we've all 
evidence 16 months. I can't even believe it. And I'm sure it was a German car also, Florian, right? That is right. Let's not name them now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, German manufacturer, that's right. Well, I mean, it, you know, and it's not all anyone's fault because, you know, one of the biggest risks, we bought a German car um, that will remain unnamed, but I always buy the same German car. So if anybody who knows me knows. And thing, you know, it's not just raw material. It's it's global conflict because the wire harnesses for this particular brand's cars are made in Ukraine. And, Ukraine. and you know, there was nobody there to make them for a, a lot of, a lot of the time. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think one of the things we have to think about too is that, uh, and I am more and more convinced, look, this is not a fully scientific survey. I would say this is a, I can't remember if it's theory or hypothesis, but it's somewhere on, along the scientific <laughs> Uh, the scientific method curve, that there aren't enough um, natural materials, be they rare earth minerals or, or component, component minerals like Florian is talking about, to construct all of the batteries that we need f- to convert the entire world to EV without stripping the entire crust of mm. the planet off, which of course is never going to happen. But what this does for a lot of these manufacturers it enables them to take better control and have better visibility to that so that when the inevitable happens, which is creating uh, synthetics for cobalt and nickel and some of these rare earth minerals or elements are, are required, um, they'll have a good eye on when it's time to do that and, and start to build the scientific capability to do it because it is an in just my opinion, absolute necessity to do that. Mm. Okay, uh, Kevin, I'm going to get your take here in just a second. I want to share a couple quick messages first. Uh, Catherine shares Village Burger in Dunwoody is a great place to Been eat. There. <laughs> yep. She also says Casey's Place in Vero Beach, Florida was her go-to back in 2015. Uh, Russ, great to have you back with us from London uh, via LinkedIn. Looking forward to your perspective. And then finally, before we get Kevin's take, uh, Josh Goody says Mining Digital posted saying that there were more than 50 deposits of cobalt in the U.S. There were issues in Idaho and Montana due to them having to open mines near where Californians bought their new houses. Well, folks, we're going to be talking about uh, car bat- uh, EV batteries here in just a second. But, Kevin, before we get there, speak, speak if you would, to this first article from Automotive Logistics and vert- Vertical Integration and such. So, so first, uh, this is not a story about the automotive industry. It's a story about the IT industry. What is a car? It's a computer with wheels, all right? <laughs> so the, the, the 18 months or 16 months shortage was because of the integrated circuitry uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in the vehicle. Uh, second, you were, talk, you were talking about wiring harnesses, okay? Uh, quick Google search shows that According to the Ukrainian government, there were 22 automotive companies that invested more than $600 million to build 38 plants in Ukraine to employ 60,000 Ukrainians to produce automotive wire harnesses. Okay. Wow. So um, that 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 is a huge impact on the automotive industry. And uh, another uh, another point, but sort of (laughs) uh, put an exclamation point on this. Right. You know, um, the car manufacturing uh, industry in Russia collapsed. 97% uh, after the uh, start of the war, okay? So it tells you, that tells you a lot about the global dependence on supply chain, the the fragility of a single point of failure, and why integration uh, is really important. This this supply web uh, that that we talk about is really important, not just in automotive, but in every industry. Integration, but also having a conductor, 
that can really uh, provide effective orchestration, circling back to what Florian was sharing yeah. on the front end. Um, that orchestration and visibility. Yes, that's right. Visibility, right? I think that is that is really key and really into your supply chain, right? To really get the necessary insights, right? And then react accordingly. That's right. Also, the, the, the article was talking about that, you know, that more and more automotive industries move away from single source to multi-source, right? Which, of course, it adds additional costs, additional complexities. But on the other hand, right, you take out the risk and you can shift then your demand, right, between suppliers. Also unheard of, right, when you think back maybe five years ago. Yep. Yeah, it was the hedging all about strategy. Yeah, hedging, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, so much to, so much to dive into here. Uh, but I want to move to the second article, uh, Florian. Uh, we were just talking a second ago uh, along these lines. So, of course, the demand for electric vehicles has shot up, right? You've got some car companies pledging to move to an all-EV uh, fleet of, of offerings. But along these moves, the prices associated with the battery metals that power these vehicles have also skyrocketed. So, Florian, tell us more about this uh, this development from our friends at Bloomberg. Yeah, no, it, it's quite it's quite related, right? We're going to talk again about those raw materials, right, which are so essential for uh, the battery, right? Lithium, cobalt, and nickel. And there was a, a trend, right, over the last 10, 15 years, right, that the prices for battery packs really declined. But now that's turning because raw material prices skyrocketing, right? In case, for example, of uh, cobalt, right, that increased dramatically lithium more so right six up to 600 times right it went up uh, from prices before and of course that creates now huge challenges for the oems because you know what can they do should they take a cut in their margin or push that further to their um consumers right and of course there is uh, the battle between you know the combustion engine cars and i guess now due to that increase of raw material prices right it's not anymore as clear that you know the eb um cars will overtake um the combustion engine cars due to those spikes on the other hand of course also combustion engine drivers right have to deal with exactly those expensive raw materials right the gasoline the oil is also getting more expensive mm. Uh, no shortage of uh, complexities here. Uh, Greg, I want to get you to weigh in on what Florian said there or, you know, uh, back to back to batteries. I feel like that's a, a common uh, theme we've been dealing with here lately. Greg, your thoughts? Well, this article to me is more about the cost, which will unquestionably go up. It already has in the United States as, they, as the U.S. government has mandated, right, that all, all cars must, and now some state governments, California by 2030, yeah. in in seven years and three months, all cars sold in in California must be electric. So, um, and and so costs will unquestionably go up. And to answer your question, Florian, they will be passed on to the consumer because the consumer will have no choice. So, th that's already starting to happen because of the subsidies that um, that the U.S. government has provided to consumers. Remarkably. Virtually every car manufacturer in America has increased their price by precisely the amount of, of subsidy that the U.S. government has provided to the consumer. So we are trapped from a supply and demand standpoint. Um, you know, combustion cars, many of them will cease to be on the road in, in seven years and three months uh, because they'll wear out. And then you won't be able to get one, so you'll have no choice. We'll have a captive audience. Of course, the cost will let's just face it, businesses, corporations don't pay taxes. The consumer pays their taxes in, in terms of uplifted price. So, mm. um, and, and of course, every opportunity they can, where demand is forced, they will take advantage of it. So, um, yeah. so the cost of these things going up is inevitable, uh, again, because we need more than the earth can provide. And the research to provide synthetics or other other solutions will cost a tremendous amount of money, as all early stage research and development does, and it will be passed along to the consumer. Okay. Well, it sounds like with all with all of those 
things manifesting themselves. More and more of us may be getting around via something we call Chevrolet legs, uh, Greg. <laughs> <instead of laughs> so, all right. So yeah, right. I mean, think about this. You know, Chevrolet think about the the, pro, the, uh, the growth in e-bikes. Right. We may not even be able to afford an e-bike, much Man. less an EV. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, love your commentary there. You and Florian. Kevin, uh, bring it home for us. What's your thoughts here on, on what's going on? So in the end, um, it's about reducing our energy, right? So we, we want to get out of oil, so we go to electric vehicles. Um, and now we're worried about rare earths and the, the batteries for these electric vehicles. So what's the next, what's the next step? How about maglev, magnetic levitation? I mean, you've all heard of magnetic levitation mm -hmm. for trains, right? But what about cars? So China is actually testing putting magnetic levitation rails on the highway so that when you're driving the car, you can actually get on this maglev and it raises the car just a few centimeters off the ground and it re can reduce the energy that the car uses by as much as 31 percent and it doesn't matter if it's a if it's a uh, fossil fuel car or electric car you're now reducing the energy that you need to get from point a to point b uh with much cheaper energy on this maglev but there is a that there is a catch. Right. It uses rare earth elements uh, right. <laughs> for the permanent magnets uh, that are part of this this uh, you know maglev system. So um, one, once again, it's going to be a supply chain issue. It all comes back. Uh, supply chains uh, and supply chain management, Kevin. But you know yes. we've we've known that for for years and years. Um, <laughs> the party and the tent's bigger these days, which is good in many ways. Uh, yeah. But Kevin, thanks for sharing. We're going to keep our eye on that uh, maglev uh, magnetic uh, levitation uh, uh, innovation that's taking place overseas. Um, all right, folks. With all these complexities and, and these issues, uh, we need resources to overcome them. I'm about to ask Florian about uh, what his team do. Uh, what his team does and offer up some resources. But before I do, we got some great comments here. I want to share a couple of these. Uh, ja, uh, let's see here. Russ, Russ says big car industry must develop a strong strategy, short, middle, long-term, including considering buying, uh, buy, uh, buying some key suppliers and practicing localization more than ever before. Perhaps good point there. Uh, Russ, Josh says, I think he's going back to uh, the mining di digital and some of the uh, um, locations he was mentioning earlier. They These open mines, they've already had some water pollution issues in some of those places. Uh, good point there, Josh. Hey, Nanda is back with us, Greg. It's been a little while. Yeah. Nanda, great to see you here today. Um, Glormar says, EV, gas, hybrid, none of those are the sole solutions. At least in the U.S., we need all the options. In California, where she lives, she says, we have way too many EVs. She owns one too. And I try to charge it at home as much as I can because finding an empty charging station has become very challenging since the oh, gas prices wow. went up. Hey, look here. Uh, this is mom. This is my one and only. Uh, hey, great to see you, mom. <laughs> uh, Leah Luton says, kind of like the Jetsons. I always wanted to levitate. So she looks like we got a couple of votes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I, I think I think it would be interesting. I like the maglev idea. I wonder if there's a way to do gravlev where it's just gravity. You know, it doesn't require all these gigantic magnets where we can use the gravity of the earth. Hmm. Right. Yeah, and wow. the inherent yeah. magnetic force of the earth. I mean, does that not sound like a fun project? I love it. Right. Then <laughs> we're Jetsons, <laughs> <we're laughs> <Jetsons>, right? <laughs> All right. So, and and by the way, uh, great. I love the Jetsons analogy there. Um, all right. So, Greg, Kevin, uh, Florian, you do, you and your team do some uh, some great work uh, working with companies around the globe. And for the for the handful of folks that may not know, tell us uh, especially what um, the SAP uh, Business Network, what that and your team do at SAP. 
No, absolutely happy, happy to do so. Now, look, we talked a lot about the issues organization facing right, regarding supply chain disruption, finding the right suppliers, the right, the right uh, sources of supply. And that's, that is exactly what the business network can help organizations to achieve, right? It allows you to connect the world's largest business network, right? Finding the right suppliers and then collaborating with those suppliers. And really, it doesn't really matter what type of supplier it is, if it's a raw material supplier, component supplier, logistic provider, right? Asset provider, service provider. So you can easily collaborate with them and expand your digitalization out of your four walls, right? Into the supply chain, right? And gain real time transparency, resilience, agility, and also it has a big benefit from a sustainability perspective because you can really make sure that the suppliers on the network have you know signed the necessary um, certifications mm. that they um, you know provide you with the information regarding the carbon footprint right and really helps your your organization to overcome those challenges and it's really across the different industries right. You know, all those things at one once upon a time were nice to haves, but more and more they are becoming must haves. The customer uh, expects it uh, undoubtedly. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about some of the resources that you brought with you uh, today, Florian. In particular, I think we've got this uh, this white paper here teed up. Um, this SAP white paper is focused on transforming product sourcing, which you were just kind of mentioning, for highly engineered products and all the complexity that come with them. So why should folks check out this white paper, you think? You know, I, I highly recommend it if uh, the, the readers are related to the discrete industry. Right? What we have done is building a solution with leading automotive OEMs, tier one suppliers, right? And the solution described in the paper is all about what we have done there, right? Which helps those organizations to bring products quicker to market, collaborate early on with the suppliers, right? To really ensure that the designs, you know, are cost um, efficient, but also that sustainability aspects are considered. And doing that in a really collaborative way with the suppliers also, it addresses challenges related to the raw material prices, right? So you can also capture index-based pricing, negotiate that, and really ensure that, you know, the prices and the, the, the purchase orders you send out to your suppliers are based on, you know, current indexes you have negotiated. So it really makes sure that you can really start from a product idea to operational execution seamlessly, all in our systems, right? And that with uh, a larger or with a large uh, customer supplier base, mm. all digital. You know, you know that's a, that's critical. You know, you, you were we we're talking about what is siloization, right? So, yeah. With a system like that, is that IT or OT? It's both. <laughs> no, right. You, you're spot on. You're spot on because it brings really all that together, right? Yeah. Collaboration about assets, logistics, supply chain, procurement. Agreed. Uh, and and it, it helps practitioners operationalize uh, as they uh, go after the art of the possible and really the art of the necessary uh, in 2022 in many ways. Um, all right. Really quick, I want to share some other things. And Greg, I'd love to get your take on what Florian has shared as well. Uh, Kevin loves that siloization word, as do I. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, let's see here. So we've got that white paper. Y'all check that out. Our production team has, has uh, shared those links in the comments. Also, we've got a blog article uh, that focuses on how effective product sourcing can help rein in the complexity of sourcing highly engineered products. And you can also check out the link that we dropped uh, where you can learn more about SAP's sourcing solutions. So check out uh, and connect with Florian and his team there. All right, so, so Greg, Kevin, what, what was that? Isn't, what isn't highly engineered solution today? You have to highly engineer just about everything. Mm. It's a good point. A good point, it especially is. in the automotive industry. Uh, one of the most uh, everything seems to be highly engineered. Of course, you've got yeah. safety considerations, unlike many other uh, aspects of, of global manufacturing. Um, Greg, weigh in uh, really quick on what Florian was sharing and including the priorities and the resources that uh, whether you're in procurement, supply chain, manufacturing, you name it, you really need at your fingertips. Yeah, well, I think to both 
Florian and, and Kevin's points, either or both of your product are highly engineered or the supply chain. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're using, you're just getting an injection molded lid for a, for something. I mean, it's, it's because you want to do that cheaply, your supply chain becomes highly engineered so that the in, in integrated complexities of either the con construct of the product or the, the mobilization of the product is very highly engineered. So having the kind of data and transparency and visibility that, that we've been talking about today. And then of course, Kevin, all of our favorite new word, eliminating the siloization between yeah. portions of your business, <laughs> that all becomes critical to the success of a company. I mean, we have to think in diff different ways. We have to engage, integrate, in, you know, technically integrate in, in different ways. And, and we have to move uh, and view the goods. What's the biggest question everyone's asking right now? Where's my stuff, right? Yeah. And, and that includes some big corporations who have far-flung or very complex dynamics in their supply chain, whether that is the design or the production or the movement of the goods. So all of these technologies allow you to have that visibility, that transparency. And I think one of the most overlooked aspects of the supply chain historically is the responsiveness and recovery capability. Resilience is what we call it today, right? When something goes wrong, and notice I didn't say if, I said when something goes wrong, right? The number one rule of supply chain, expect everyone to fail you. So when you do that and you provision for that, uh, these, these kind of tools and solutions help you before a catastrophic event takes your supply chain down. Mm. You know, I, I, this, is it resilience? Or is it flexibility? You want you need you need that flexibility, right? Mm. Or both, and then some, or right? Both. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think we could have a really long discussion over which is an element of the other, but flexibility is definitely required to have resiliency, right? That's right. Yeah, There's all kinds of words. We should it. just list yeah. the words. Well, right? we need that white. That uh, flip chart used to have behind you way back in the day, Greg. Yeah. We could have we could <laughs> power this discussion, but hey, for the sake of time, I want to make sure uh, before Florian departs, I want to make sure folks know how to connect with he uh, and his team there. So, Florian, what's the easiest way to connect with you? Just use LinkedIn, and I guess we have my LinkedIn contacts. We do. Hey. We do. Cool. We sure do. Uh, it's just that easy, Lovely. I tell you. Greg and Kevin, we should have gotten in the LinkedIn business long ago. Uh, yes. every, everyone, everyone, it's the go-to. It's just like that. It's no longer the look me up in the phone book. It's find me on LinkedIn. But You almost don't need business cards anymore. <laughs> right. 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 Um, you don't. You don't. But, they, they give you a QR code on LinkedIn. Right. Too. <laughs> right. right. So it's not just where you are now. It's where you've been in the past and, and the provenance, <laughs> Kevin L. Jackson, of your education. Ah, provenance. Love that word. All right. Well, hey, for now, though, uh, Florian C. Bauer, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really enjoyed your perspective um, on uh, all things supply chain, really global business. And I bet, yeah. I hope you get a chance to eat um, a great cheeseburger soon because you're a few hours ahead of us. But Florian C. Bauer, Senior Director, SAP Business Network and Direct Spin Solutions. Thank you for your time, Florian. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Florian. Good day, guys. Oh, that swoosh was on the money. Waits for yeah, no, nobody. Thanks in there, Greg. <laughs> Wait, we you. mustn't delay because our production team is incredibly precise. So right. We're going so to right. swoosh if you're ready or not. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wait, um, really enjoyed Florian's uh, take here today. Um, I think we could have spent a couple more hours talking whether it's cheeseburgers or the complexities in the automotive industry or a lot more. You know, uh, Greg, you and Kevin just talking about um, defining some of these words and what they really mean, because they, they can mean different things to different leaders and practitioners and teams and organizations, uh, but really enjoyed the discussion here today. Um, all right, so I want to wrap. Uh, we might finish just a minute or two over. Uh, Kevin, we need to make sure folks, all maybe three people that don't know, uh, you're doing great work. <laughs> two uh, two yeah. people. Um, two people. My audience is decreasing. It and is. Well, the audience that doesn't know how to get a hold of you is definitely decreasing. <laughs> well, there's a great tie-in here, though, because, Kevin, you're doing great work uh, as you lead Digital Transformers uh, with Kevin L. Jackson, a great podcast. Uh, Y'all check that out wherever you get your podcast from, from and subscribe, because one of the topics 
um, that you're going to be talking about. And Greg, we've chatted about here. One of our recent live streams is the longstanding partnership between SAP and IBM. And Kevin, I'm yes, not sure. Absolutely. When is that episode? When will that be dropping? We'd be dropping on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's very timely. Isn't yeah, it? Though? So like next today, Monday, Monday or next, next Monday? Next Monday. Oh, awesome. The next episode of Digital Transformers on Supply Chain Now. We'll be talking with uh, Stacy Short from IBM, and she manages the relationship, a uh, long standing relationship between IBM and SAP. 50 years long. Talk wow. about working together for the betterment of the world. And get this, SAP was founded by five IBMers. So they, they left IBM, founded SAP, and they've started that uh, relationship. So wow. how long has OT and IT been working together? <laughs> <laughs> SAP and IBM. So, Quite some uh, stay time. Tuned. <laughs> so, hey, y'all can find that episode in all episodes, including all past episodes. He's, he's, Kevin's been building quite a library. Yeah. Look up Digital Transformers wherever you get your podcast from and subscribe so you don't miss that episode or any others. Uh, one last thing to touch on, uh, Greg. Uh, really enjoyed uh, your your commentaries. Uh, always enjoy them. But uh, here lately, uh, you 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 know one of the um, one of your mantras that you have uh, long held, and you've gotten a lot of uh, responses around is whether consumers like it or not, they're beginning the beginning and the end of the supply chains, right? Yeah. Um, and one of your commentaries touched on that once more last week. Uh, but where I'm getting is, uh, I think we published our fourth or fifth edition of With That Said over the weekend, right? That's our dedicated LinkedIn newsletter. Uh, and Greg and Kevin, we are right at 15,000 subscribers, just Dang, four wow. editions in. Has it been a month that that thing has been out? It's just over a month, right? Right. So if you're not, I think we got a link we're going to drop to the most recent one. If you're not subscribing to that, check it out. And if there's, if there's, if there's ideas that any of our listeners, subscribers, any of our global family of listeners have when it comes to that newsletter, hey, let us know. We'd love to, uh, you know, we love feedback. It is certainly a blessing and helps. Uh, helps uh, hey. come up with great new ideas. Kevin. Who's that at the header of that article? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys so much more depth. I don't know how you're doing this while we're on I'm, the I'm, air. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> it's impressive. <laughs> well, check, so to see what Kevin's talking about, you're going to have to check out the most recent edition of With That Said. And, of course, you can also find that uh, the Supply Chain Now uh, company page on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, Greg, I'm going to give you the final thought here today. Uh, Kevin, always a pleasure. I love, lo we love our digital transformers yeah. episodes. We're getting out front. We're making it, it it's beneficial. We're going to make it even more official. So you can catch Kevin L. Jackson every third Monday on, uh, the buzz every third Monday here at supply chain. Now, so look for that in October, November, and December, Kevin, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. I enjoy this. It's just fun. Yep. <laughs> it is. It is a blast. Uh, we, we should, we could easily add an extra hour and not miss, uh, really not miss a beat, but Greg, um, we covered a lot of ground here with Florian and Kevin and, and all the comments here in cheap seats. What's your final thought challenge our audience. And then I'll sign off. Yeah. I think it, the thing that we have to recognize at every level, and this continues to surprise me, like the article that we talked about that supply chain, really any aspect of business and IT, uh, which I include, I include digital security, cybersecurity in and digital transformation in, all of those things are inextricably connected. And if you are not, if you don't have a plan for that, it's like planning to fail because the, you simply cannot keep up with manual processes and even some of the old processes and certainly not digitally integrated and protected yeah. processes inside your organization, but with the other organizations that you do business with globally. And if the last 33 months have not taught you that, where the heck have you been? Um, <laughs> so I think yeah, you know, that's the challenge is, is I would, I would cease to think about it as, uh, as digital transformation being separate from mm. supply chain or separate 
from your business. Digital transformation is your business. We've been talking about that with Kevin L. Jackson for several years now. And like he's turned us into digital transformation, not experts, but but uh, fans, we're turning him into a supply chain fan. And I think the more that we see that, the more that the three of us and all really all of our team get together, the more clear that is. And I'm hopeful that companies will start to see that, get more serious about it, spend the money, do it now, pay That's us right. now or pay us later. But spend the money to um, to improve the integration and safety of your supply chain, both both physically and virtually. Yeah. All right. We've got to leave it there. Don't plan to fail. Uh, be like Greg and Kevin. Do not plan to fail. Take action. Um, big thanks to Kevin L. Jackson, host of Digital Transformers, and so much more. Y'all make sure you connect, follow, and check out his podcast. Be sure to connect with Greg White on LinkedIn in particular. Follow him for those commentaries every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and and comment on those things. There's some fascinating conversations as thousands and thousands of folks uh, read that perspective. But whatever you do, folks, whatever you do, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, it's all about deeds, not words. Take action and act now. Uh, no, no time to dither. Uh, on behalf of our entire team, Scott Luton challenging Dither. you. <laughs> New word, I guess. Uh, Scott L- <laughs> oh, gosh. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. But whatever you do, folks, whatever you do, hey, act, act, act. Do good. Give forward. Be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.